one of the things that, um, you know, I, I, I appreciate in life is when I see people doing things that are hard, but they make it look easy, right? Not fun. Uh, I, I'm thinking of, you know, different things in my head, like, uh, you know, marching band down the street that we hear, uh, I guess the season has ended now, but, you know, starting the middle of summer, you know, all the way up through the last couple of weeks, we'd hear them practicing and, uh, you know, moving on the field. And then when we see them perform, it just looks so easy, you know? And it's like, oh, it's just, that's, that's so easy, I can do that, you know? Uh, not really. Um, maybe a choir, you hear a choir sing, and, you know, you, you just hear all the, the you know, them singing, the, just the, the unity that they have in their voices, the, the pitch that's just right on and all that, and it's just, it makes it look so easy. The dancer, the dance team, you know, that they come together and they're in this perfect uh, sync and all that, um, it looks easy. Or the speaker, you know, that's, that's um, just, just, just seems like they're speaking out of their, you know, heart and it's just like, oh, that's so easy. But these things we know are so hard. We know it takes a lot of work, a lot of determination. And uh, I think that's what separates those, you know, who are great from those who are good, that when you watch, when you see them, it just, it, it just looks effortless, just makes it so natural. But we do know that there's so much that goes into that. We see that in life, but I, I wonder as we, you know, think about this following Jesus, as we think about our own discipleship and our own journey, um, we, we look at other people, and we see them, and we see how they memorize Scripture, and we see how they live, and, and uh, it just looks so, like, easy for them, right? Just kind of like no effort at all, but we look at our own lives, and we're like, man, it's, just, oh, it's so hard. You know, will I ever get there? What, is there any hope for me? Can I ever be like that? I remember being in seminary and seeing some of my seminary professors and just seeing their godliness and just seeing their, how they handled Scripture and how they handled uh, interactions with people and just saw the grace of God and I just wondered, will I ever get there? Because I feel like it's so far away. Well, thanks because of, of things like Christmas that we see Christ in a new way. We see the scriptures that we have that talk about what Christ did. Uh, the answer is that, yes, that these things are possible for us, but they're not easy. As I look at our Christian faith, sometimes we just think, like, if I just show up at church, if I'm just here, maybe it'll, these things will happen, kind of like a very passive Christianity. But as I have learned, as I've grown, it's, it's, it's not passive, Right? There's a lot of intention that goes into our walk with Christ. As we, as we follow him, there's a lot of intention that we need. I, I hesitate to say the word work, right? But there's a lot of intention, right? Saying, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend some time. I'm going to intentionally say no to some other things so I can spend some time with Jesus. I'm going to purposely turn off other things so I can attune my ears and, 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 and hear from the Spirit. I'm going to take time just to sit and be with the Spirit and walk with Him and talk with Him. Like, those things take diligence. They take a lot of effort. And in doing so, as we sit before the Lord, as we sit before His Word, as we, as we learn from Him, as we listen to the Spirit, we see the fruit of the Spirit start growing. And it almost, it's almost like accident. And it almost seems like it's passive, but we know that there's a lot that goes into it. We'll talk about that this morning as we continue on in our third Sunday of Advent. These last a few weeks, we've been looking at Christmas. We've been preparing our hearts for that, right? At Advent, as we, we wait and as we prepare 
before uh, the, the celebration that happens on Christmas. But there's only eight more days till Christmas. It's coming soon, right? I don't mean to panic anybody who's still kind of making plans and all that, but it's coming soon. This is what we've been waiting for, this time to celebrate the birth of Christ. This, uh, this, um, this month, we've looked at Advent from a the, the few different lenses. We've looked at the moment of Advent, the message of Advent, and then the mindset of Advent today. All right, but the, me- the moment, right? When did this all happen? When it was the perfect time, right? In God's providence, when the time was right, when the fullness had come, we saw the birth of Christ. We looked at that first Sunday at, at how the, the, the people before Jesus was born, they were waiting for the Savior to come. They've been waiting for years, and they were waiting for that Savior to come, and that's what they celebrate. We stand in between these two advents. We look back to the, the day that Jesus was born, and we celebrate that, but we also look forward to the return of Jesus, the second coming, and that's what we're waiting for now. And we're in that very similar shoes as those, uh, the people before Jesus was born. Like, when is the Savior come? We are saying the same thing. When is our Savior returning? It will come at the very right moment, when the time is right. We looked at the message of Advent, right? And we looked and we saw how it wasn't like this, um, this message that was full of wisdom that the Greeks would have just loved and just soaked in. And it wasn't full of all these signs that the Jews said, oh, we can get behind that. that that's exciting. We see that. And it wasn't with the power that the Romans said, that's what we've been looking for. It didn't come with the wisdom or signs or power. It came with this, this message that was described as foolish, for some. It's a stumbling block for some. It's a message of humility. And so some reject that. Some receive it in faith. And today we'll be a little bit of kind of a similar to that. We'll look at the mindset. All right, what is the mindset of the Christians? How were we to live? Like what, what kinds of things should be in our head? What should we be thinking about? And how should we be living because of what Christ did and how he came at Christmas. So today we look at that mindset. And we see as Christmas did at least two things, and probably many more. But it was the day that Jesus redeemed us right, from the darkness, from the slavery, right, for, uh, from all those things, our sins, and gave us this new relationship, invited us into his kingdom, made us his children. He did that, but he also showed us how to live in the kingdom of God. He, he showed us what it looks like to, to follow after and how to, how to, um, how to, how to follow um, the example of Christ. He showed us. And we have the Gospels where we can read and just see exactly what Jesus did, how they live. And therefore, how should we live as his followers? As we look at Christmas, what is the Christmas mindset? The Christmas mindset is one word, humility. It's how do we live with a humble mindset? How do we live as with a humble life? And, and, and how can we look to Jesus and see the example that he gave for us? That's what we will endeavor to do as we look kind of behind the scenes, uh, not so much at the gospel story, we'll get to that next week, but, but after the gospel story, what, how did Paul see it? You know, when he was writing his, his letters and his epistles, when he was explaining it to the church, how to live, how did he see it? That's what we're going to do today. And we're going to look at Philippians chapter 2. 
to see how Paul, when he looked at the birth of Jesus, what did he gain from that? And how did he encourage his church to follow in those footsteps? So today, as we look at Philippians chapter 2, may we look and see the mindset of Christ, and we, may we strive and desire to have that same mindset as we move towards Christmas, and not just Christmas, but far beyond. So today, we'll look at the believer's mindset in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. So these verses, I mean, just so you know, these are some of the most wonderful verses in the Scriptures. Some may be the, kind of the, the centerpiece of the Scriptures. And so uh, there's so much that, that we can gather from this. We'll do our best just to, to look at these first 11 verses, but to see how we can gain uh, the heart and the mind of Christ. So join me as I read verses 1 to 4 of Philippians chapter 2. It says, Therefore... If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Okay, so what's going on here? Remember, Paul is writing this from jail. There's great persecution, and he has been put in jail, and he doesn't know if he's going to live. He doesn't know if he's going to get out of jail. Remember earlier in, this, in chapter 1, he's saying, here's what I desire. I desire just to be with the Lord. Right? I, life has been tough. I mean, he has suffered so much for Christ. And he's just like, I would love just to be with the Lord. That would be what I desire. However, I don't think the time is right. I think he still has uh, some things for me to do. I think he is, still has a purpose for me. And that purpose is to keep preaching the gospel and, preach, and to help the church, to help the, follow, the, the, the Christians that I'm, I'm ministering to them, to help them to understand how to live for Christ in the persecutions or when it's good. And so he's saying, this is my, my message to you. As long as the Lord has put, uh, given me life, as long as I'm still here, I'm going to continue to preach the gospel. I'm going to encourage you how to live in the faith. And so he starts this with kind of these, these four things that he says that really are saying the same thing, right? He's saying, if you have any encouragement from being united in Christ, any comfort in his love, if, you, if, you're, if any common sharing in the Spirit or tenderness and compassion, he, he's saying, if you have any of these things, and the, the obvious answer is yes, we have these things. Because we are in Christ, and we are in this community of fellow believers, where we encourage each other, we love and support each other. So, of course, I'm being encouraged because I'm united with Christ. Of course, I find encouragement knowing that He knows my name and He loves me. All right, He has given Jesus for me, right? That Jesus went to the cross for me. Of course, I find encouragement in that. That God has called me and loved me. He loved me the day He saved me, He continues to love me. So, of course, I have encouragement from that. Of course, I have comfort from his love. Yes, life will be hard. I'm overwhelmed. I'm tired. I'm weary. 
but I have God's love with me. He will see me through this. I know I await. I await a day of being in his glory. So I have comfort in that. I have common sharing in the spirit. I'm with each other. We're all, we're all in this together. We're going to encourage each other. We're going to support each other. We're going to help each other. When one person falls down, we'll lift them up. Of course, I've experienced that in this community. In tenderness and compassion, I've experienced that too. Certainly the gospel is all about compassion. And I've, I've, I've seen that. I've experienced that. So these things are given. They're the expectations that we have in a church body, in a fellowship like this. So ambassador, this is our expectation, that we encourage one another. We remind each other that we are loved by God. There's nothing you can do to separate our love from God. Nothing. So we have that foundation. We have that foundation that we're comforted even when we're struggling. And we have that. We know there's people in here that have been struggling. We know the, the testimony of, of how small groups and other people have come alongside and, and held them up and lifted them up and supported them. Ambassador Church, that's what we are to be. We find a common uh, a purpose of being together, that we're all here. We're not just here on accident, but we're here for a reason, to glorify God, to enjoy Him, to make His name great. And we're all here to find and to show each other compassion. Right? We're hard on ourselves. And we need to remind each other of the gospel, that the gospel has set us free and has forgiven us. And we keep clinging and, 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 and moving towards Christ but knowing that we don't do it out of guilt or shame, but we do it out of love, motivated by his love. Right? So that's kind of this expectation that he starts this letter. He's like, before we get into anything else, i got to remind you that there's this love and care and compassion that is experienced, and hopefully you have all experienced it. That's the normal expectation, the foundation for the church. But he says, as you have experienced these things now, now, make my joy complete. And here's how you do it. It says in verse 2, Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Again, kind of saying, using four different ways to say one thing. Be unified. Have one purpose. Have one mission. Be together. Be in unity together. I've said it before, I'll say it again, just uh, I think it's helpful. What he's saying, he's, he's not saying we need to be like uh, conformists, we need to be all alike each other. He's saying unity, not conformity, right? We all have different desires and passions and personalities, and that's great, right? We're, we're not told to be like stormtroopers where we're all like look the same and walk the same and same, have the same bad aim shooting our blasters. We don't have to be like stormtroopers, we can be the individuals that God has made us, but we seek unity. We seek unity together, saying, what is our purpose? Why are we here? We're here about Jesus. We're here to make Jesus' name known. We want to share his glory with this world. We want those people who do not know him to come to a relationship with him, whether it's our friends, our families, our neighbors, our co-workers, uh, people here in the neighborhood. We want these people to know Jesus. That's why we're here. 
Those are the things that we fight for as we follow Christ. We don't fight for preferences. We don't fight for opinions. But we fight for unity. We fight to serve each other. We fight to show kindness and and regard and respect to each other. We fight to lead our children in in the Lord. We, We fight to take our youth and help them be mentored in the gospel, to own their faith. We, we fight to serve each other and love each other. Those are the things that we're fighting for, not the preferences. He says, but here's, while I'm here in jail, here's what would bring me joy, to know that you are one, to know that that love and unity is here. That would bring me more joy than you would ever know. So unity in that, having one direction, not two, not ten, but one. How do we do that? He tells us, here's here's the negative. He says in verse 3, here's how not to do it. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Selfish ambition or vain conceit. See, why does he say that? He's talking to the church. He's talking to people who've been changed and transformed by the love of God. But he says that because we know those are values of the world and they run deep into our lives, right? We see that in our lives. We say even because we're Christians, even though because we've been changed by Jesus and we've followed him and we've committed our lives to him, we still have these feelings about me being first, about I want my way done. They said, here's, here's the deal, um, that's not happening in the church. You can't have a church that's unified, that's seeking the Lord, when people are seeking their own agendas, when they're selfish for their own ambition. He says you can't have that when people are conceited. He says this word vain conceit. Vain conceit is like empty conceit. It's really funny. I mean, why didn't he just say, just don't be conceited? He says, but don't have vain conceit. You see, there's like a, a king, you know, someone who's great, and they got power, money, and fame. When, when, if they're conceited, we're kind of like, we get it. We get it. They have power. They got money. Yeah, I understand that. But when there's someone who doesn't have any of that, and they still think they're a king, that's when we kind of laugh, and we're like, they're, that's what they're full of themselves. That's the vain conceit, the empty conceit. And Paul uses that word for us. So we have lots of things that we can impress our friends with, right? I mean, you have nice homes and cars and jobs and you know, nice families, all that kind of stuff. There's, you have lots of things to impress our friends, and your friends are impressed. But none of these things impress God. To God, he says, these things are empty. There's nothing there. There's nothing that we have to impress God. So why do we try to pretend like we do? You know, if anybody had any way to impress God, it would be Paul. Paul had it. He writes just a little later in this, right after he writes this, he kind of talks about his own life, right, in in Philippians chapter 3. And I'll just paraphrase, but he's basically, if anybody has a reason to be conceited, it's me. I've got it. You mean I, I, you know, was born in the right family in the right time? I was circumcised on the eighth day, and I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm from the right tribe. I'm a Pharisee. I had zeal. I was persecuting the church. I mean, I checked off all the lists of all the things that we thought God was interested in that would impress him. I did them all. 
He says, but then I met Christ and I found out that those things did not impress the Lord. I, I, I met Jesus and I found out that those things didn't help me at all. They're nothing. He says, they're, I, they're garbage. They're useless. He says, I just want to know Christ and those things don't help me. But how do I get to know Christ? Just by spending time with him through faith? To know his sufferings? That's how I've come to know him. So all of those things are just vanity. They're conceit. They're the, kind of the marks of religion, really. I mean, religion is all these different checklists. Go here, do that, read this, study that, memorize this. But Paul's saying those things, that's not how you get to know him. You get to know him just by spending time with him. So if you want to, to grow, if you want to, make, if you want to bring joy, don't do it through these things, your selfish ambition and vain conceit. You don't do it that way. You get over yourself. You're not at this limited edition, a collector's item. Right? That thing, those things are vanity. But you spend time with Jesus. He says, rather, instead of those things, what are you to do? Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not look into your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In humility, consider others more significant. Give them excellence. Give, us the high, give them the highest value. What he's not saying is that you're not significant. Right? He's not saying that you're, you're worthless. He's saying, in humility, value others greater than yourself. Listen, you have great value and great significance. You are a child of the king, right? You, you are his, his, his prized possession. You are loved. You are a warrior for the Lord. You're loved. You're accepted in his kingdom. You are significant. He's saying, but in your interactions, I want you to treat people even more significant than you. Treat them better than you would, even yourself. Saying, in the, as we're talking about unity, how do we find unity? How's my joy complete? By being humble, by seeing other people as more important than yourself. And you're very important, so you have to go even further to show them just how important they are. How do we do this? How have we done this on a Sunday morning, day in, day out, week in, week out? Do you come to church with the anticipation of saying, how can I value people really high? How can I, I, I look in their eyes and see them for who they are and give them significance? Do I come to church ready to do that? Or do I come ready for others to do that to me? I don't know your hearts and all that. I, I think that's a, one of the stretches for us. How do we stretch ourselves to say, when I come to church today, I'm ready to serve. I'm ready to love. I'm ready to, to see people that maybe others missed. To give them value and love. I think if, if we heard, if we, you came here on Sunday morning and you saw some you know, motion out here and, and you see it's, it's Shohei Otani. Before he leaves to L.A., he comes to Anaheim one last time and comes to church. Right? In my dreams, right? But I, I don't think we'd have any problem 
showing high significance to him. You know, I don't think we'd have any problem saying, uh, you know, hey, can I valet your car? Or, you know, I'm going to take care of it. Uh, let me get you a good seat. Uh, do you like maple donut or, or old-fashioned? What do you like? You know, I'm like, let's get him the whole one. Don't cut it in half. You know? Like, we would have no problem showing significance to someone like that. Or Elon Musk comes, or Taylor and Jason, right? <laughs> Whoever. Like, we'd have no problem. But... But when we come, we don't anticipate that. We just think, oh, there's normal people here. But that's exactly what he's saying. Come with the anticipation, the, the, the joy to pe- put people first and to see them for who they are and show them that value, that significance. Rather, instead of being absorbed with ourselves and conceited, right? He says, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but to the interests of them. That's the mindset of Christmas. And you might say, well, what does that have to do with Christmas? We haven't even talked about the birth. Well, it has everything to do because that's where he goes next. He says, you want to see this done? You want to see this lived out? You look to Jesus starting at his birth and going through his whole life. This whole, the mindset of Christianity, uh, the mindset of Christmas, it's just centered around humility. And if there's one value we see at Christmas that keeps bubbling up, it's humility. So as he goes on, he's going to give a real life example to this. And, and this is almost like kind of the owner's manual that, that we ignore most of the time until we're stuck. And then we're like, where's that manual? i got to see how to do this. And, you know, it's perfect at Christmas time because some of you are going to be putting together, you know, these real little intricate bikes and stuff like that. And I know you guys. I know how you are. You're going to pull all that stuff out of the box. You see the owner's manual. You're not going to open it up. You're going to put all that stuff together. And then at the end, there's going to be all these extra parts. And you say, that's okay, because they always give you extra parts. They'll give you screws, nuts, and bolts, but not gears. (laughs) And things like that. So what do you do? You go, you go open the manual and take things apart until you get to that spot and then you move forward. But you need that manual. But many of us, we look at Christianity this way. We look at our faith and we say, I don't really need the owner's manual. I, I, I got this figured out. I know how to do this. But we don't. We don't. Because we still have a lot of self-centeredness. We have a lot of conceit and vanity. And so he's saying, if you need an example, you're going to look here. I'm going to show you the example. It's, it's Jesus. Look at verse 5. He says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. So in your relationships with each other, as we relate, as we serve each other, have the mindset of Christ Jesus. Who? Jesus, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So when when Paul looks at Christmas Day, and he sees that, that Jesus, he left the realms of glory. He left a throne for a manger. He, he left the royal robes for the robe of a, of a servant. He, he, he left the, the golden crown 
for a crown of thorns. He did that. Not because he lost a bet. It says that he did it. That's a profound statement. He says he made himself nothing. He became a servant. So he's saying if you need an example of how to treat each other, you look to Jesus. He left his, his privilege to come here. Ultimate humility. I mean, if he was born as a human king, that would have been humble. But that's not where he did. He was born in a small town to a poor family. In the middle of nowhere. Very humble. He says that he, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Right? It, it's kind of like he didn't grasp for, for the glory. He, what he grasped for was to be a servant. That's where he, he went. And he didn't, he didn't consider equality something to be used for his own advantage. I mean, this is really important. Like, he didn't say, okay, all right, I'll do it, but under one condition, all right? I don't ever want to take a bath. I don't want to get a cavity. I don't want to get sick. Uh, you know, I don't want to get tired. I mean, whatever it is. He didn't do all that. He laid that aside to be a servant. Still God. Still 100% man. But he didn't hold on to those things just like, oh, I'll, I'll keep it if I need it. He suffered. Even to the point of death. Like suffering is, I mean, anybody can suffer. Right? And, and anybody can be humble when they have nothing. But here he was. He, he had the crowds. He had the people. They were listening. But he stayed humble. And he, he stayed obedient to death, even death on a cross. The worst kind of death. The, the worst kind of humiliation is what he endured for us. You see, when, when Paul's saying, here's what I need. I need you to, to complete my joy. I need you to be unified. I need you to serve each other. I'm going to give you an example. Look to Jesus. He did that. He left heaven to come down here to us to be the servant. So that's, that's what we're looking for. But just, he, 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 he continues and he says, you know, after his humiliation, he'll be exalted. This is a beautiful thing. And this is part of that kingdom of God, right? That, that the last will be first. The poor will be rich. The humble will be exalted. Look what it says in verse 9. He says, therefore, after this, after the death on the cross, therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven on earth and under the earth. Every tongue acknowledge that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He is exalted. He was exalted. The, Jesus' knee that bowed down to wash people's feet now would be exalted and other people would bow down to him. Jesus, who would use his, his tongue to bring life to other people, now they would confess that Jesus is Lord and he'd be exalted. And the, the message here too is for us. And not, not that we will be exalted this way, but 
when you, when you take, take, it, take the cross on like Jesus did, it is hard. There is so much humility that goes into the living the Christian life. But one day you will be exalted. One day you will reach heaven and you will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Come on in and enter into your master's joy. It may not happen here on earth, but I know where it will happen. It will happen in the kingdom of God. So here as he's talking to this church and as he's trying to encourage them, Right to find strength together. He goes to Christmas. He goes to Jesus as the example for us to follow each and every day. This isn't just on Christmas Day, guys. This is our lives. This is from here on out to have the mindset of Jesus Christ, to live in humility. See, when, but remember he says, I don't want you to seek selfish ambition and vain conceit. You see, the, the opposite of those things are unity and humiliation and, and being humble, right? Instead of the selfish ambition, we, we're, we're a part of this. We're a part of the body of Christ. We all have our part. We all have our role. We're all important. We're all significant. And so instead of saying, well, it's, it's me who's really important. No, we're all part of the body of Christ. You find that in the unity. And instead of the vain conceit, Making myself great. We say, no, I want to be the servant. And I'm going to serve. And I'm going to, I'm going to be deliberate in this. Because it doesn't come easy. It doesn't come natural. It's something we work at. It's something that we, our, our flesh keeps fighting against it and says, no, put yourself first. Make your own ambition the thing you go after. But we as Christians, that's what we keep trying to kill. That's what we keep nailing to the cross, that flesh. We keep nailing to the cross saying, be quiet. <laughs> you be quiet now. I'm not listening to you. I'm going to live the way that Christ lived. I'm going to seek to serve and to love other people. We see that is the heart. That is the mindset of Christ. And so as we look at Christ. Christmas and as we prepare ourselves there's so much to be excited about the lights and the colors and the music the gifts the families the parties there's so much to get excited about may we not miss this may we prepare our hearts to be in the right place and have the mindset of Christ have the mindset of Christmas and what is that it's being unified together and as we're unified, we do that through humility. That's what brings joy to someone like Paul. And I know that's what brings joy to God's heart, to see his people, to love each other in that way. Hey, our world's going to tell us different. Our world is going to tell us that's foolish. Your message is crazy. It doesn't have any power. Exactly. It doesn't have power in your eyes, but that's the power of the gospel. Amen.